Welcome to this episode of Care You, where we challenge and encourage listeners to be intentional and embed a practice of reflection into your caregiving. It is our intention that the contents of this podcast are accessible and meet you where you are on your caregiving journey in a non-blaming and non-shaming way. Enjoy, Enjoy the, the show. show. Hey, Stephanie. Hi, Don. How Excellent. are you? I'm good. I'm excited about today's episode. Yes, we have another guest in the studio, and again, I love saying that because it's just my office. Um, we have Deidre Ripka here with us to talk about what we've just said, hard work. Yeah, it, we got that feedback from all our, our survey that, that this was a topic that our families and caregivers wanted to learn more about. So we hope that it's a great episode where you can get some nuggets of wisdom. Yeah, so let's introduce uh, Deidre. She went to Freeport High School, and for those of you who don't know, I love their... Uh, nickname their uh, mascot thank you yeah. mascot i was losing that uh the pretzels the freeport pretzels uh she attended western illinois university was on the women's basketball team received an elementary education degree with emphasis in language arts uh she had a middle school endorsement she has a master's in school counseling um, also from Western, she attended Bradley, where she got her master's in educational leadership, and she's currently attending ISU in a pre-K through 12 admin program and doctoral cohort. Uh, she started teaching in 1999, so I I had been eight years well, that's, teaching at that point. But um, are we competing? Is that what's that? Are we competing? Is I that, well, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so she started teaching there. She has been a sixth to eighth grade ELA teacher. She has been a school counselor and assistant principal and dean. And her current position is principal of Morton High School in Morton, Illinois. Awesome. So we have lots we can learn from Deidre. Um, on a more personal note, Deidre is married to Chris and she has um, a stepdaughter named Miranda, a daughter in, in eighth grade at Morton Junior High School Izzy, a sixth grade son named Andy, and a pug named Stanley. The love of our life right now, Stanley. <laughs> Not the others. No, 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 no. He's the favorite child for sure. And I've had the opportunity to meet actually yeah. all of yeah. your kids. Yeah. Even Miranda. Yeah. Oh, fun. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. One more side note. Deidre is a Lady Potter super fan. She loves cooking and reading and watching her kids compete and learn. So with all of this and without further ado let's learn about hard work from Deidre yeah so we have I don't know easy question how do you define hard work well I have an easy answer even though I don't think it hard work is easy at all but just consistent effort and endurance it's my hard work hmm. definition and is that come from just experience? Is that... I am certain I stole it from somewhere. It might have been the dictionary. Oh. But, <laughs> but I mean, it just, without getting too complicated of a definition, that that is what hard work is. Just consistent effort and endurance. Okay. Hmm. Since you stole it from the dictionary, or maybe, um, <laughs> do you have any other terms or words that you feel like represent the idea of hard work? So my favorite word is grit. Um, and if you've read any of Angela Duckworth's stuff, then, then you, this, this defines a lot about um, what I think hard work is. But it, And grit, this is Angela Duckworth's um, definition, not mine. It's passion and perseverance for long-term goals. Um, it's not luck. It's not talent. It's not short-term. Um, I call myself a Lady Potter super fan, too, because I think they personify grit, 
on the basketball court, especially um, watching some of those teams. They're not the most talented team on the court, but they're prepared um, and they don't ever give up. I, I if, Especially this year, too, I watched them come back. They were down by 20 points in the fourth quarter to East St. Louis and came back and won it in overtime. I mean, most teams you would see would give up, not the Lady Potters, because they've got grit. And, and what um, what causes that? What I don't know if cause is the right word. What what, what makes them that way? Um, I think number one is the belief that they can do that, the belief that you never give up, um, the belief that they have that within themselves. They're obviously very well prepared as well, too. Um, but I, I just think that they're, they continually work hard. They continually um, endure through the hard times, which would be being down 20 points um, and believing you can still come back and win this. And they've got adults around them that are, are good role models for that as well, too. So that's kind of what I see it as. Okay. And talk about the intentionality of the adults. What do you think that they do in order to support that we're not going to give up and we and the mentality that we can do this? They hold hold high expectations for their kids, their girls on the basketball team, especially, um, and just accountability. You're not just accountable to your coach and the adults in that program, but you're accountable to your teammates as well, too. I always talk about like um, rebounding. If four people on the court are boxing out to rebound, and this is specific to girls basketball, but, you know, and one person's not, that one person is letting down, you're letting down your team. If you're not boxing out, if you're not on the same page, um, that that one person, you're letting down your teammates by not doing your job. So I think it's that accountability piece too. Hmm. That is specific to girls basketball. It is. <laughs> but it, it, I think there can be some crossover yeah. or some, yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. I had a hard time coming up with whatever word earlier that I couldn't think of. You can apply it to life too. Yeah. Especially with, if you're in a family, um, you know, we just, we just moved this weekend. If I don't have every member of my family helping us with this move and one person's bailed on us, like it's going to make my job a lot harder. I need everybody on the same page. So, and, and I'm, I'm smiling as I say this. I'm not a big sports person. Oh. <laughs> now, I like sports analogies. Yeah. I do, but I'm not a big, and by that I mean I'm not caught up in it. I don't change my life to go to a game or to watch a game on TV or, you know, Te- that Team kind of Ripka thing. does. We do. We okay. Will change yeah, our that yeah. does not surprise me. <laughs> so <clears throat> here's my question. It's one thing in my mind, like everything you said, I I buy into, I see the importance of, but like with band or mm-hmm. sports, they've chosen to be there. Mm-hmm. How do you bring that idea of hard work and grit? And I love uh, the book Grit. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Um, how do you do that for something that you didn't choose to be in? Like you, you're in a required class mm-hmm. uh, in school. You have homework, you have reading, you have family obligations that you really don't, it's not that you don't like your family, you just, mm-hmm. I don't, want, like, hey, I'm in junior high, why in the world do I have to help mom and dad move? Um, how do you do that? Uh, I think twofold. Um, I still go back to that accountability piece, you know, and, and I think teachers battle this question every day, like, why do I need to know this? You know, but it's the accountability piece as well. Um, and purpose, 
you know, what is the purpose of us doing? Obviously, with the move, we've got a big purpose. We need to move into this this new house. This is our new home now. we got to get out of the old one. It's going to be somebody else's home. Um, but purpose and defining that for our kids, too. Uh, and, you know, talking about what's the purpose behind assessment. What's the purpose behind reading this novel? What's the purpose behind writing this paper? That needs to be really clear with our kids as well, too, so that they can persevere when it's like, the last thing I want to do is write this paper over the weekend. I mean, Stephanie and I have had those conversations just lately too. It's, you know, the last thing I want to do is write this paper, but it serves a purpose for our program um, and for goals that I have too. Well, and then how, because our focus is on the caregiver perspective. Mm -hmm. So how do caregivers, how do they, how do they build this? Because I, we've heard a lot about how, um, students today, and I think some of this is just one generation always talks bad, and I have air quotes going on, yeah. talks bad about the previous generation, uh, but kids, they just don't know how to persevere. They don't have mm-hmm. grit. They don't know how to work hard. They don't know. I mean, it's all these don'ts or can'ts. Mm-hmm. So what does a caregiver do on a, on a regular, consistent basis? So, um, when I was growing up, my mom um, worked, she was a stay-at-home mom. She still worked really hard. There was four of us. Um, and I remember specifically, um, I was not feeling well, probably could have pushed through and gone to school, uh, but I didn't. I told my mom I was going to stay home, and she left me a chore list. I never stayed home after that. <laughs> my brother had perfect attendance K through eighth grade. But, but you know, so what I'm saying is um, – my childhood was maybe a little bit different, typical of the 1980s, perhaps, that, um, you know, my, my, we learned to work hard at a, at a young age. I had a paper route starting in third grade. So my brother and I shared this paper route, um, and it was like every day, no Monday through Saturday. Uh, Wednesdays was always when they put the ads in the papers, so the papers were always a lot heavier on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. You had the papers were delivered to your house. You had to roll the papers. You had to put them in your bag, and you had to get on your bike and deliver them to people's doors. We were not throwing them in driveways. You had to deliver it to a door, no matter what the weather is. And I will tell you, as a paper paper route or paper delivery person, um, it wasn't the snow, it wasn't the rain. It was the wind every time. That was the hardest part of it for me. Um, And so my parents just instilled that. And it's consistent effort and endurance. It was consistently, I had to do this every Monday through Friday after school. I was delivering papers. And then Saturday morning, they had to be delivered by 9 a.m. And my brother and I did that until we got into high school. And it was like, I couldn't, honestly, I couldn't wait to get into high school because I wanted a different job. I just didn't want to do the paper route anymore. (laughs) Um, so that is one thing. Um, I think every kid should run cross country. And I know at the junior high, we've got a cross country program with like 90 kids in it. And like five of them score. That's it. So you got like 85 kids out there running just to run. But man, does that build grit. Because you're just out there with your thoughts and your body that's hurting no matter what. And you just got to finish the race. That's it. You just got to finish. Um, so I know, you know, running was really pretty popular, especially right before the pandemic hit and everybody was entering these five K's and getting participation medals. And, and I know there's a concept of participation medals and whether or not we should really do that, but especially with the right, the, the running, it's like that, that is hard 
work right there. And you are just competing against yourself. Just one foot in front of the other for 3.1 miles, for instance, is a 5K. It's, it's hard. Um, and I know most people will be like, yeah, my kid's not running cross country. I hated it every minute of it, but I wasn't going to quit. Like, I was going to finish it. Um, so, I don't know. My daughter ran two years in junior high. I don't think she's going to run in high school, but she got the experience of it. Now, my son's going to be in junior high next year. I'd really like him to run, but it's going to take some grit for him to finish out that season, you know, even if he, even if he commits to it. Um, another thing I would say is I never let my kid win at anything. And maybe that's a little harsh, but like we would have these massive connect four tournaments and all they would want to do is beat me. And I remember the first time Andy, my, my sixth grader beat me and it was just like, well, that's it. I'm done. (laughs) He has finally beat me, but you know, they learned, they learned to lose and they, they were, uh, they were gracious in loss. He was not gracious in winning. I can remember that time. (laughs) It's funny. I was literally (laughs) going to ask that. There's that graciousness in winning as well. It took, he never gave up, but quite honestly, it took years of playing for him to finally beat me. Um, And I will tell you, I, I, I got cocky. I let my guard down. I wasn't paying attention. And that's, that's when he got me. So um, it's hilarious. That's, <laughs> and the other thing I would say is, you know, let them be independent thinkers and independent players, if you will. I know Dr. Smock talked about before, you know, just going outside and, and playing. And it's hard in this age of tech. You know, both of my kids have phones. I get it. It's hard to say to them, put down the phone and go outside and play. Um, but it, it is so important for them to be able to do that independently. We used to have some really great, what in our old neighborhood, we had some really great kickball games in the backyard with neighbors, um, and they'd always want me to be the referee, and I was like, or the umpire, umpire. Dad. Yeah, no, thank okay. you. I- and uh, and uh, I was like, no, I'm not. Figure it out. So, I love that. There's a lot of really good examples, like yeah, yeah. tangible things, not necessarily letting them lose or win, I should say, um, because that's hard, especially when they're young. Um, and like you're playing memory mm-hmm. and you just want to watch them light up when they beat you. But we do that in our house too. Like we're pretty competitive as a household. Mm-hmm. So they do not win just for the sake of winning. And I think that is important. It's, you know, we think bigger picture, it's a safe environment. So you can lose and learn how to lose or keep going and be consistent and, and determined to keep going. Um, I think that's really important. You hit on a lot of things that I had been thinking Oh, okay. It's a safe space for them to learn how to keep going, but you might not always win. And I would like to say that I went into this intentionally doing that, but I didn't really. It's just an example that I can point back to and be like, I never let my kid win. Like, I don't know if that was building grit in him, but I I think he's got a little bit of grit in him or or Izzy as well, too. I think she's got some grit in her. Like, I never let him win. Just don't. Did it? It's funny, you use the word intentional mm-hmm. because that's what we're big on is, and, and I don't, there were so many things parenting, I would say 99% of the things that we were probably not intentional on. Um, but what do you, did you ever have your kids get to a point where losing, they wanted to just, I don't like this game? And, or Or was it, they played with each other, so they had that opportunity to win at something. But then when they played mom or, like, I'm trying to think, because there are times where if I lost, like, Scrabble. Mm. My wife always wants to play Scrabble. I hate it because I just can't win consistently. Mm-hmm. And so I find myself not wanting to play it. And so how do you 
how do you get over that hump of there's a point where if you just lose every single time over and over, like who wants to keep doing that? Yeah, I think, you know, we would make it fun too. Cause I, I just talk a lot of smack to them and they didn't oh. like that at all. But you know what I would say? My kids right now are super competitive with each other. Um, and it's, I, I think that it is challenging to them. So they'll play sorry. Sorry is a big game in our house as well too. They'll play sorry. Um, and after Izzy beats Andy a couple times, he's like, let's go do that puzzle. So we'll do a thousand piece puzzle. Another good way to, to build grit. Cause you're not going to sit down and get that done all oh. in one time, one place. No, but it'll just sit on the kitchen counter and we'll roll up to it at night, you know, 30, 45 minutes and do some of the puzzle until it's all done. But so he'll convince her somehow, let's go do the puzzle. You know? So I, I think it's just, it's that competitiveness with each other. And I know there's not every household is competitive like ours are, or like Stephanie's are either, but, but it, it helps us to persevere through those hard times. Andy's in, Andy's in band right now and he's in percussion particularly. Um, and he's playing the xylophone and, um, it does not come naturally to him. He didn't, he didn't have piano lessons before, but I've seen so much growth in him and he goes back to that xylophone every single night to practice. And it's not, I don't have a whole, I have a deep appreciation for his growth, but the music part of it, it's not really my strength, but it's those instructors at school that are also holding him accountable that he's going to go back to that because he's not that great at it but he's getting better and Mm -hmm. so it's the words and and the effort and the time that they're pouring into him and knowing that like he's he also has people that are relying on him to sound good in that concert and he sounded great actually the whole band sounded great on Saturday but um that you know that's part of it too he he is building confidence with that okay that's awesome. It kind of goes along with the caregivers and the educators working together to instill. Um, this is a just a random question that I keep thinking is, do you feel like people are born with grit or is this a practice? Because you're talking about a lot of practices, a lot of intentionality behind your caregiving um, efforts. But do you feel like one of your children is grittier than the other just by nature? I I don't think you're bored with it. I think you can definitely develop it. And I think it's never too late to develop it. Um, I, that's interesting. I don't know that I could say that one is grittier than the other. On the basketball court, I would say one is grittier than the other. But when we talk about like independent play and, and persevering through, you know, difficult times with friends and things like that, I would say I, there's another a different one is grittier. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think they, they hold they're It's just different, different type of grit, which is important for us to think. Cause we always say not every child's the same mm-hmm. and grit can look different. So when Don said he's not into the sports, I thought, well, this can really apply um, to many different things. And we can look at our child in whatever they're interested in or whatever they're partaking in and, and really maybe enhance through words, through the accountability um, it kind of goes back to what Dina was saying in our last episode. Oh, yeah, I've thought about that quite a bit. And then you made a comment about it's not too late. Mm-hmm. So let's say we have a caregiver listening, and they're like, but my kid's 16. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to have much grit, and every time I try to give them or lead them to be grittier, it just doesn't work out. So what do they do? What do they do? What would you recommend? I mean, defining purpose is 
is another one. What's the purpose of, of doing this? What's the purpose of having grit? Um, especially kids at 16, they need to get a job. Everybody's hiring right now. Go get a job. Teach them some responsibility. They're not going to love everybody that they're working with. They're maybe not going to love every job that they're doing within this position, but go get a job. Once those paychecks start coming in, then start reflecting on, is this doing what we need to do? You know, is this building the grid? Is this building the responsibility and the accountability? Um, but especially later, you know, if I don't think it's too late ever to build that grit. And we all go through things in our life that maybe – you know, we have zero control over, but that is helping to build the grit and the growth in our life as well, too. The job is interesting because that was, for my age group, everybody had a job when they got to 16. Everybody got their license Mm -hmm. as close to their 16th birthday. And you hear all the, I don't have them right off the top of my head, but those statistics, the workforce is not anywhere near what it used to be for young kids. Now, it could be that idea of, I could throw out to you, well, what happens if they're involved in 47 other things? Mm -hmm. How does that job fit in? Maybe the job is more important Mm -hmm. than some of those other things. I don't know, but... um, there's always the summer breaks too. I mean, I know when I was in high school, that's that's when I worked was in the summer because I was involved in way too many things to be able to hold down a job as well too. But the summer can still be that, you know, for three months or two and a half months, they're consistently showing up to work. They're doing what they need to do. I always worked for the park district when I was, when I was growing up. Great opportunities there. And I know in Morton, we've got great opportunities as well too throughout the school year to work for the park district. But there's so many different positions there with dealing with the public, dealing with kids, dealing with adults, um, and, and just continuing to build that resiliency and that grit, which is a whole other conversation. Yeah, I was going to say. Resiliency versus yeah, I was grit. Say I don't have an added, answer for that. Yeah, okay, <laughs> you added the word resilient yeah. in there as well. I don't have an answer for that, but somebody, one of our prof- or instructors posed that question to me a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, holy cow, just opened up a box of like, I got to look into that. What's the difference? Yeah. We have a good question for okay. you. Ready? Yep. How can you up the odds that your kids will do great when you're no longer around them, specifically around working hard and maybe not in things they enjoy? So we can't wait to hear what you think. Um, let them fail. Don't save them. You know, let especially now where we're at um, in our community, in our schools, this is a safe place to fail and let them take responsibility for it. Um, and I want to share a story. Um, this just happened recently, but we were having a parent meeting um, with a student who had just kind of made a series of, of bad choices um, that led to some consequences. Um, and his dad said to him in front of us, you, you got to own what you got to own. Like, you did this, and you you need to own this and, and take your consequences. And I love that he said that because I was not prepared for that response from the dad. I just, I loved, I thought like, Marianne, this is going to be a battle. This isn't, they're not going to agree with us. And and the dad was like, nope, you got to own what you got to own. And I loved it. Like, this is probably the first time this kid's really gotten in trouble. And dad was like, this is on you, not anybody else. So I love it. Um my kids make mistakes all the time. So they, I, I'm not perfect in any respect. They make mistakes. Um, there's consequences for them through the school. I mean, it's, it's even worse in my position because the first 
phone call, they know it's coming to me yeah. and I can leave. And, but I was in that same position when I was growing up as well too. Cause my dad was always in the schools. And so it was like, if I screw up, my dad's going to know before I even get home. Um, but you know, teach them to be humble and just own their stuff. So another good parent quote that I had, um, when I was in a Dean's office, I had a kid who, who had gotten himself into some trouble pretty consistently. And his, we would call his dad together. I always like to just call while the kid's in the room, everybody's on the same page. Everybody's hearing the same message. And the dad would say to him, DDSS. And the kid would say, and he's like, dad would say, you know what that means? And he said, don't do stupid stuff. He wouldn't say the word stuff, but for this audience, I'm going to say stuff. So the dad would always say DDSS, don't do stupid stuff. Like I just loved it that that was his way to hold his kid accountable. Like, you know, that those certain phrases that they used. Yeah. Love it. All right, Stephanie, anything else you want to ask? I think that that was good. I think there's lots of nuggets of wisdom that people can take away no matter what age, what journey or what part they're, where they're at in their caregiving journey. Sorry, I couldn't get that out. Um, So thank you. That was great. Yeah. D, anything you want to add before we uh, close out? Um, One thing I want to say, I, I any of the girls that I ever coached will know this, um, but I, I have this phrase called no bad days. Um, because on the basketball court, when you play defense, there are no bad days. There's no, you know, I'm off shooting nights, not passing the ball, not making good decisions. On defense, there's no bad days because it's just hard work. So there's a little nugget if you hear me ever say that. No bad days. Okay. Great well, with that, end. we will uh, we'll end. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Care You and for showing up for the children in your care. Until next time.